Welcome to the Sold Out Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Michelle Schaefer. I am a two-time author who's built a seven-figure income in network marketing. I went from teen mom to millionaire. My passion is helping you to move your life forward with strategies for personal and spiritual development and teaching you how to design a life of freedom. I'll give you all the goods from the heart, raw and real. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast. I am, I'm so thrilled about my interview today. And you know, the funny thing is I feel like back when I started the podcast, which is almost two years ago, I absolutely, we had, I think we even had something scheduled to interview this gentleman on my podcast today. And so here we are um, almost two years later and we're finally doing it. But you know, I love to have people on the podcast that inspire me. And so I, um, the, this gentleman, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you a little bit of his bio and I'm going to, and then I'm going to tell you how I kind of found, found him. He is the co-founder and beachside CEO of a global advisory board called Lighthouse Idea Crafters, which is an organization who that focuses to, uh, on guiding organizations to develop cultures and really to, uh, to figure out how they can deliver a, a difference in what they do. He's been named the most influential uh, one of the most influential voices in direct selling. He's emerged as a leading authority in the L, uh, in the area of developing purpose-inspired cultures. I mean, now you're kind of starting to see why I have him on here, right? And so um, he's a speaker, a results coach. He um, has uh, he founded a show, um, and he is the news director of Home-Based Business Radio Network. He's a founding member of the Association of Network Marketing Professionals. He's on the faculty of the direct selling um, edge educational organization. He's a founding member of Catalyst A Team. I don't know if you know what Catalyst is, but it's a it's a wildly inspiring leadership conference that now they do on two on a couple times, a couple different um, parts of the United States. He's been married for twenty eight years, has eight wonderful children. Um, I I his name is Troy Dooley. Welcome, Troy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, I think I probably like happened across Troy on social media, just, you know, being in the network marketing profession and, and, um, I just started watching his stuff and I kind of fell in love with him from afar, like a little bit of a stalker watching his stuff, loving his posts. So inspirational. He's a true patriot. Um, you, you were in the military, weren't you, Troy? I was, I was in the Marines. So thank you for your service. You. And he, he's truly just, uh, somebody that, I just started following because I liked his stuff and I just, uh, it periodically would comment, you know, like a little, one of the little, uh, <laughs> you know, Facebook people that just watch us from afar. And, um, I just, I kind of fell in love with him and I don't remember how we actually started talking. Maybe it was because I think maybe I reached out, maybe asked you to be on the podcast or something. I, I don't remember, but, um, I've had this just incredible, you've, you've been a voice of, patriotism, morals, um, ethics, integrity. And I just appreciate what you do in, in the community at large, not just network marketing, but the social media space. Um, and just really inspiring people to, to just hold themselves to a higher level. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And it's so exciting to be here. Cause we have, we've been trying to get this thing done. I, I bet 18 months or so, you know, yeah. just back and forth. And it just, the Lord always has a plan. So it just kind of all came together this last couple of months. And this is exciting. 
I'm, I'm really excited. So um, for, for those of you that maybe this is maybe one of your first podcasts with me, or maybe you missed one of them, I recently have authored two books. The first one uh, that it'll be coming out, I would venture to guess in the next, within the next 30 days is called Redefined. And then immediately after I wrote that, I wrote a second book called uh, The Residual Life which is really kind of my personal manual for building uh, a network marketing organization. And in doing that, um, when I when I hooked up with my publisher, one of the things that he offered as part of his publishing service was, you know, really trying to kind of connect you with somebody to write a foreword. And so he had all these names on a list and everything. And um, I just, I don't know, it didn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't connecting with my heart. I was like, okay, well, you know, I've heard of those names and stuff, but how could somebody write a foreword that doesn't know me? It didn't really line for me personally. It didn't line up. Everything for me is about kind of lining up and being, um, being congruent and being authentic. And so, you know, I just randomly reached out to Troy and I said, listen, it has, first of all, I, I, I reached out to Troy first before I said anything to the publisher, but I said, Troy, I've written this book. And I really would be honored if you would write the foreword, really having no idea, like, I don't know, is it something you'd want to do? Am I crazy? What if this book is crap? And so um, I reached out to Troy and the same day I reached out to my publisher and I said, listen, I know you have these lists of people, but I reached out to somebody today that I really feel is supposed to be involved with the book. And I asked him if he would, um, if he would write the foreword and Troy graciously accepted. And so you're going to see Troy Dooley as the forward for the residual life. And so I just want to thank you for that. Oh, that was an honor. Cause you know, first of all, over the, over the last couple of years, doing the same thing that you do, following you, seeing what you do, listening to the podcast, I think I've gotten a good feel for who you are, what, what your true purpose in life is. So you know, for you to come and say, hey, can you do this? It's like, cool. Yeah, that's great. Except uh, let me read the book. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I read it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so great because you've given, you've given insights to people that most, most of our, I'm trying to think of a word I want to use, gurus. Let's just use that word. They don't do that. You know, everybody today seems to be a trainer, a consultant, something like that. And at the end of the day, they're either trying to get you into their organization or they really don't tell you what it takes to build that long-term residual income. And you share that in the book. And I thought that was just tremendous. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I was scared. You guys, those of you that listen to my podcast know I'm just going to, I'm honest. I was super scared to send it to Troy because so far with it, with both of the books that are coming out, very few eyes have seen them. So a couple people have seen a couple chapters and here I am sending a book on network marketing to one of the, the like foremost, um, <laughs> legends in the profession who's consulted with, you know, very large companies, very large organizations. And so I was super intimidated to say, I was like, okay, he's going to, it's going to be, this is going to, what if he hates it? And, you know, I'm going to send it to him. He's going to go, listen, this is crap. I can't write them forward. So I was, I was real, other than my husband, who of course, even though I wrote the book, his voice is so prominent through every word because he's been my mentor, you know, other than him. And he edited the book. And my publisher, and my publisher is not from the network marketing profession. So, you know, he, it, it's going to be a different perspective that he has because that's not his, that's not his field. Right. And so other than those two people, you're the only one that's read it. So oh. I was terrified to send it to you. 
No, if Bobby's gone through it, we know it's good. So it's got to be great. And then reading it, it's like, wow, you really, I think part of it is your personality comes through with your words. And so many times that doesn't happen. Matter of fact, I, I've got a, a gentleman that, that used to be a client. And he wrote some books and I read his books. I really thought, man, there's some good stuff here. And then as I got to know him and I'm setting in on some high level meetings with him, I'm going through my mind thinking, okay, you're doing everything you said not to do in the book. And it made no sense to me, you know? So Michelle, I, when we were private, cause I don't ever like to embarrass anybody in public. I said, dude, you wrote in this chapter not to do that. He goes, I don't know how to write. That was a ghostwriter that put all that stuff together. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was blown away. It's like, well, at least give him the outline. So he knows what to write or she knows what to write. So watching you and hearing your voice through those words and then listening to the podcast, it's like, okay, you're so congruent in this that you can tell you're, you're, you literally were not just guided by your, by your own personal experiences, but I think the Holy Spirit really did guide in, in that. My wife, who's an author, always says her little muse came from the Holy Spirit and she got it all down. So it really made sense to me with what you wrote. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That was very, probably the best compliment. Um, he sent me a, an audio text. If you guys are not doing that, you should. Audio texts are awesome. And I was desperately trying to save it. You know, you can save them on an iPhone. It, like after a while, it says save this, this audio. And I lost it. And I almost started crying. It was so sad. But that was one of the things he said on there was that it was so congruent. And that really, you know, it's funny. I had for the longest time on a post-it on my, I lost it because it got dirty because it was just here and getting moved around. But on my desk, I had a post-it that says congruent because that's such something that's so important to me. So that was a huge compliment. Well, Troy, you're, you're an expert in so many areas. You've helped to be the, um, the catalyst for so much, um, just change and helping people to stay aligned with exactly what we're talking about, who they are and their message. And one of the things that I really felt I was supposed to ask you about today was, um, Leadership, uh, you know, really to be somebody that um, that chose to go into the military, I believe you already have a have a drive for leadership. You're you're not going to be somebody that wants to defend the uh, the foundations of this country if you don't already have something ingrained in you uh, that that is a that has that leadership pull. And so you've led in a number of areas just in the world. You've led in the military, you've led in business, you're, you're a leader in your home. Um, and just so many, you know, spiritually for so many, so many people that, um, are of the, the Christian faith. So can you, do you have like a philosophy? If somebody says to you, Troy, what does leadership mean to you? Or what kind of a leader do you consider yourself? What, how would you kind of describe that? Um, it's probably going to be different than probably anybody else's. Cause I know I'm a good leader when my daughter's come to me for advice. Mm. Not, not, I mean, I can get words of, of affirmation from anybody and trust me, I'm a man. It sounds good. I'm on stage. I get the claps, but if I can't get that at home, if Paige isn't giving it to me, if the girls aren't sending me a text, um, if my, my son, my sons bless their heart, they don't come to dad as much as they used to, but you know, <laughs> if, if it's not my family coming to me to where at the end of the day, I can say, okay, Lord, I made a lot of mistakes today but I still have them coming to me, asking me questions, then I, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. So that's where my leadership really starts is, can I guide my family the way I'm supposed to? And are they still coming to me? And I tell you, it's, it's exciting. I'm going to, I'm a rabbit trail. I've got a 16 year old son who I've never pushed. And, and as, as you get to know me and as my testimony gets out there, my, my oldest boys have been 
Um, I mean, they put the word prodigal to a whole new level. <laughs> so with him, it's like, okay, I want him to love Jesus, but I've not pushed him. I don't care if he serves at church. I don't care if he goes to the youth group. I've got one focus in mind. And this last couple of years, I have watched him make these decisions on his own. Dad, I want to go hang out with the youth. I've got good friends there. He's now serving at church on his own accord. Nothing that I've done. Uh, we just took some some brand new profiles of him and and what leadership is for him, what his personality is like, and he's dead on. I mean, he has created his own personality. And obviously, Paige and I had a lot to do with that. But that's how I know that I'm I'm doing whatever the word leadership. I, I sometimes think in in direct sales, especially, we overuse the word oh, yeah. leadership, but. In, in this case, if I can sit back and be in an audience and hear somebody on stage or hear my kids or someone use words that I've used and watch them put it to work in their own life, then I feel like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm leaving the legacy that I was intended to leave. I really am helping to be somebody's guide. And that's all I want to do is help guide somebody else to be what they need to be, not so much look at it from my own standpoint. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's, I, I'm so aligned with you. And as crazy as it might sound, even though my other two books aren't even actually out in the world yet, I started a third book and, the, oh and, and this book is called Radiant Leadership. And oh. it, and it is um, absolutely very much aligned with what you just said. I agree with you wholeheartedly that leadership is overused. It, it is a word that is kind of like integrity. It's thrown around everywhere, yet very, very uh, rarely is it pure and is it utilized in the, in the way that I think God intended it to, to be. And so it's, just, you know, in kind of doing some research for this third book, I found that there are over 60,000 books on leadership in print over wow. 60,000 books. So there's, there's no lack of information about leadership, but there is a wild lack of leadership. I think that's why I'm so attracted to you, Troy, because, you know, of course it's just social media. I don't live next door to you. I'm not in your home, but I could feel the authenticity of who you are coming through your everything that you do, you do Facebook lives, you do a lot of stuff. And, and again, you are also uh, super congruent in everything you do. Now you may do different things with different people, different companies, different kind of platforms, but it's a common thread through everything that you do. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't deviate. Matter of fact, we had to terminate a, a client's agreement. He, he, they, I better say they, they had been clients of ours um, almost since the inception of his company. And just due to, um, due to what I'm going to call principal differences, mm. because in, in this case here, uh, I do think these were situational ethics. I don't, I don't think this is something that, that is right or wrong. Well, I do think it's right or wrong, but it's not legal or illegal. It was a right or wrong issue. And I just said, look, I can't go any further uh, with this because if I do, I would become incongruent with who I am. And yeah. I, just don't want to do that at all, ever. And and I have, uh, you know, I'd love to tell people, hey, I've never made that mistake. I made that mistake in 2012, and, and it cost me not just financially, but it almost cost me reputation-wise because you you always have a, a resume and you always just love telling everybody, oh, look at all these great clients I have. But when the world's largest Ponzi scheme based on the people that are involved as a client that's not exactly what you want on your resume. And, and I learned that because I split hairs in some cases, then obviously I had a settlement with the SEC and, and they fined me for an infraction. 
and I could have fought it, Michelle, except that I knew inside, I knew the day I was asked the question on a national radio show and I split my answer. I knew inside of my heart and it's like, man, why'd I just do that? Mm. And then 12 months later, I get a subpoena and it's like, you know, and then we, we cut our deal and, and we had the infraction and I'm thinking, I'm not fighting this. Even my attorney, he said, you know, I, I'll never forget. We, we were supposed to have a four hour deposition. It lasted 12 Ooh. and we were probably halfway through it when he called for a recess, pulled me out and he said, you need to shut up. You're just telling them everything that you know. And it's like, that's all I know how to do. I, I want them to honestly understand. I really didn't know all this stuff that was taking place. Because I knew in my heart, man, if I just hadn't split hairs on that show, I mean, and it was so, it, it was, I still laugh because the radio show host and I are great friends and, and he actually knew the answer. And, oh. it, and it's like, dude, why'd you just ask me that? Because he said, has this company ever paid you? And I said, well, the parent company paid my expenses and, and I just lumped my retainer and everything into expenses. Well, I should, I should have just been very clear. Look, I got paid this. I got paid this. I, got paid. I didn't do that. And I will never, ever, Michelle, make that mistake again. And that's why I'm, I would rather get rid of clients today than walk down that path where my kids, my wife, you, or anybody else has to say, well, wait a minute, Troy, this is what you said yesterday. Why are you acting like this today? Do you find, Troy, um, and again, I'm going to be like the other guy. I probably already know the answer to your question, but um, do you find that and I'm not going to stick this just in the network marketing category because, you know, you, you, you are branched out into a multitude of things, but do you find that it is uh, more common that people will, uh, that they will shove aside their ethics for money? Do you find that that's a common thing in the uh world? I do. I, I I see that across the board. We see it in politics um, because my clients today actually do include ministries and politicians and and what we would classify traditional businesses. I see this a lot with people, um, and I and I think it's become uh, well. I see it with churches too. I mean, when I get right down to it, because um, I'll see I'll see things on TV now with some dynamic um, motivational type of preachers let's just say preachers on tv and and you you listen to the words and you realize wait a minute that's that's not even that's not even biblical but yet they're they're pulling the way that they speak in line with certain demographic groups is what they do and and i i do see it in network marketing matter of fact there's a there's a company selling a product right now and they they tie the they tie a spiritual side to this product and what they tell people is, hey, we've got this oil that does some really dynamic things, plus we've put some anointing oil in there so you can actually rub it on there too. And it's like, you know, I, I just think, Michelle, at times we cross the line with whether it's spiritual, whether it's business, where it is, we see that dollar is what we see. And we, and we just... And we don't live what I'm going to classify a blessed life. We, we focus on the money, money, money. We focus on me, me, me. Uh, we're, we're willing to shift just a little bit if, mm -hmm. if we think we can get away with it. When at the end of the day, look, there's some black and whites with this is right and this is wrong. It may be legal. It's still wrong. And people just don't seem to care anymore. And sadly, I fell into that trap a few years ago.
I think, I think partially it's because what we've done with anybody of status, okay. Whether it's an athlete, somebody that's been very successful in business, somebody that's an actor, anybody that has a social media influencer, if you will, what we've done as a society is we've elevated these people almost to like a deity status. And it really has nothing to do with who they are and what they actually stand for. It just has to do with how, how they've been perceived. So I, my opinion on it is that, you know, we, as a society, look more at the perception than the reality. And, you know, who are the real, and I know you agree with me on this, Trey, who are the real heroes day in and day out? It's the teachers, the people in law enforcement, the first responders, it's the military, but you're not seeing television shows that are putting them up on a pedestal and sharing their stories. What you're doing is you're seeing some, you know, these these crazy superstars that live these ridiculous lives. They treat people like crap. They, you know what I mean? They're abusing everything, whether it's drugs, money, people, and we're elevating them. And so we've kind of done it to ourselves. And so um, it, it takes the teacher, right? This, I'm just going to take Mrs. Jones from, you know, hometown USA, who's been a teacher for 15 years and she loves her job. And she goes in every day with the, with the intention of having imp, an impact on a life, on the next generation, right? And, and she is just a hero. She has impacted so many lives, but we'll never hear it. And she makes a, you know, a minimal income and lives a, you know, a minimal, as far as finances go, a minimal life. And, but but these, these are the people, in my opinion, that we should be really, really edifying and elevating. And so I think that's where the turn has been for us in general as a society, because every, you know, babies cry for it, men diet for it, that recognition, that that feeling of importance. And so I don't know, Troy, I'm just one person can't can't change the world with this, but. Well, you can't, but you, you've got a point. And I think it, we go through now, let me, let me preface. I went to public schools, but I have, we have homeschooled all of our kids. We didn't homeschool our kids because there was a teacher issue. We homeschooled kids because there there is this perception in the world that we can just shove all these kids in here and we don't need to pay teachers what they're worth. We don't need to add more teachers to it. And as I think men and women who were going to school maybe to get a degree to be a teacher realized we need to make a shift because we're never going to be able to survive doing what we what we want to do. And I believe that they are the unsung heroes. I think anyone that that we could classify a first responder and teachers are that first responder. We are literally sending our kids. I drive because of of some personal challenges with with some of our kids. We have one of our granddaughters right now. I drive her an hour to school because it's the only thing in her life that was not disrupted. Mm. And it's like, look, you've got your friends, you've got your cool teachers, you've got everything you love. I'm going to send you there. I got to admit that that schoolwork she brings home every night's a little complicated for me, but <laughs> I'm thinking what happened to just one plus one equals two. I mean, they come up, <laughs> but she's smart as a whip, you know, but when I'm driving up there and I see all these, all these kids going in, I'm thinking, okay, if one of these kids ends up shooting somebody goes home yelling about the teacher, whatever the case may be, that teacher is going to be the one that gets blamed. It's going to be the school that gets blamed. Just like we see this in law enforcement, we see it in the military, and there are bad people everywhere. No matter who you are, evil is prevalent in the world. So there are just some people 
that Michelle are more mixed up than you and I are, and nothing's going to fix that unless they just turn their life over all the way. They're going to be evil people trying to hurt other people. And we need to, I believe, as, as moms and dads and just Main Street Americans in this case, we really do need to start looking in our own communities to say, hey, how can we help those teachers? How can we help that waitress? What can we do? One of the things that I love to do, and, and because I live on an island, we got all these cute little cafes around, and I've gotten to know certain people because I just hang out. It's, there's not many places to hang out. So you just hang out for breakfast. And I always love watching young couples come in on vacation because I know how expensive it is to live here. I know what it takes for them to be able to sacrifice to come down. And I've got a couple waitresses that I can say, look, I'm getting ready to leave. Let me just pay their bill. But let me get out the door before you say anything so that I never, ever have to worry about them taking that away from me by saying, oh, no, or, or thank you. I just want to do it. And I think if we do this with teachers, if we look at what a teacher needs and say, okay, if, if they need more creative supplies, then don't expect the school to buy it. Let's just go out there and help them because we may call them the heroes and, and they really are to us, but they're really that guide to those students. It's that teacher that could change that kid's life. Just, I mean, like this, and I can, I'll tell you, cause I'm on a rabbit trail on this a little bit, but my mom was, was a crazy person. And I don't mean that as in a crazy mom. I mean, she was mentally unstable and was a patient at what was called Western Missouri mental health. And my first grade teacher, Mrs. Cunningham made the biggest difference in my life because she loved Jesus back then. They prayed, we did everything, but she knew the type of home I had. And she saw something in me then that I didn't see. Cause I mean, it was hell on earth back then, mm. but yet I was 18 years old and got to tell her thank you before she passed away. Um. And I, that's the key. If we, one teacher can make such a difference in people's lives, if, if we can be there to help them. And that could be a first responder. It could be anybody. It doesn't have to be someone that's got a degree teaching at school. Right. We're going to make that in, impact, especially in today's world with social media. But you're right. They're the unsung heroes without a doubt. Well, I have this. Okay. So, so here's, here's the call for me for this third book. Are you ready? This is the first time anybody besides my husband and my publisher have, have heard it. <laughs> I, I believe, and I'm happy that it's you and me that are talking about this because I know that you're, I know that this is, this is who you are. This is how you live. So the book's called Radiant Leadership. And, and, and my, my true belief is that um, I want to help everyone that I'm not talking about CEOs. I'm not talking about people that are already have influence. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about every human being on the planet. I want to empower them that they actually are a leader, that God put inside of them specific things that they, they have a call on their life from the time that they, you know, are born to lead either one or one million. And I think that what we've done in the world, not just network marketing, but in the world, we've, we have put the word leadership up on this pedestal that people only feel like certain people are are it only only the selected few people that reach this status of certain titles of jobs or success or whatever they're the only ones that are considered if you will a leader but my my belief is that everyone is 
the stay-at-home mom. What an unsung, unappreciated um, job, you know, literally shaping the next generation of, you know, somebody's going to be a pre- the president in 45 years, you know, somebody's going to be the, and so we, everybody has a call on their life to lead. And it begins with how you live your own life. And you're, you are the living embodiment of that, Troy. Just what you said just now about just anonymously trying to bless somebody at a cafe. It, imagine if, imagine if everybody you knew, everybody took on that, that, that mentality, that kind of mantra for life, that your, your job every day was just to anonymously bless one person. Imagine what would happen in the world, Troy. Like it makes me almost cry because I feel so, I feel so empowered to just shout this from the rooftops and empower people to do it. You don't have to have money. It doesn't have to be something financial. Be holding the door, saying, making a, you know, saying something nice to somebody, complimenting them, just offering a hand, telling somebody they did a good job. And so I, I very, very much want to impact the world in this way where everybody Everybody feels empowered to do that every day, at least to one person. And I just want to thank you for being that person, Troy. That's who you are. And no wonder your children are are now, uh, you know, seeking things out that you would want for them because it's been who you've been as their parent. And I just think that's, it's the most honorable call on the planet. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, you, you said something a minute ago, Michelle, because we have tied leadership to ranks, to yes. titles, yes. stuff like that, that, that we don't. And, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use politics because, because it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. You know, we, we see men and women that get into politics and instead of, instead of being there to serve their constituents, they're there to push their own personal agenda. They don't think about Hey, what's best for the, all of the people? Whether that's all the people in their city, in their state, it doesn't matter. They're they're not thinking that through. And I think that a lot of times we, as just the masses, just the people here on on Main Street, if you will, you know, we think, well, that's just the way it's going to be. That's that's just the way it has to be. And we don't realize that. Hey, wait a minute. One voice can make a difference. One yeah. voice in your community can make a difference. One book in the right hands of an individual can change their whole perspective. When they look at that, because you hit on single moms, and it's it's even more prevalent today than it was when I was born, because because I was I was born in a really funky situation, and and my I didn't know my biological dad ever. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom, I was two two and a half before mom married the man that I knew all my life is my dad, and this was in 1960. So I mean, when you look at here, she is. She's a single mom. She's running around. She's doing her thing. I'm born in '64. And it's like, wow, this is uncool. First of all, she's she's had me out of wedlock. That was very taboo yeah. back then, you know. And then to be uh, having a married man that was, I mean, I mean, if it could be bad, I mean, that she was she was going down the wrong thing. But yet, I'll never forget a knock on the door where a gentleman said, "Hey, I'd like to invite you guys to Sunday school," and that changed everything from yeah. that. So, I mean, you know, if we just have one person in our life that will say, hey, wait a second, let's do this. And I, I mean, I carry a lot of baggage, but I can remember that in, in about 19, oh no, it was 2010, I had a gentleman, I, I picked up his book, thought his book was great, did a, did a podcast on his book. And he called me on the phone and said, listen, 
if that meant that much to you, how about if I mentor you? I couldn't afford to have him as a mentor. I mean, this guy paid by big corporations for a year and a half. He mentored me out of some personal baggage that I had carried for decades. And it's like, wow, he made such a difference in my life. And today we're best friends. Him and his family moved to Australia. You know, his business is growing. But it only takes one, Michelle, and that's the key. That's why when you've got two books out and you're already on a third one, it's like somebody's going to be impacted. And that person, it's going to be a ripple effect because you wrote it. They got it. They're passing it on. They're out there telling people about it. And, it, you know, I still believe until the Lord comes back, we, we got we to make disciples, not necessarily just of our spiritual side. We got to change people's lives and perspectives. Yes. And you're doing that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. So are you. And I just, I feel um, the interesting thing is with the first two books, they float, like, here's how I describe it. It was like somebody turned on the faucet and it just flowed out. Like it was, there was no effort. It was, it was, it flowed with this, with this third book, I feel a weight of importance to it. I feel some, I feel something weighty on me. Like there is, there is a purpose that is so much bigger than, 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 it's, it's certainly not about me. I'm not, you know, I didn't, I didn't write the first two books because I sat down and said, Hmm, you know what? I'm going to be an author today. It just kind of, I, I, it it literally was an accident. I almost don't feel attached to the books because I almost don't feel that I wrote them. I know that sounds like weird, but they, they came out of me in a way that it was supernatural. That's all I'm going to say. They, they were super, I felt like a divine, flow that came out of me when both of them were written. And so I almost don't feel connected. Somebody said, aren't you excited? You're birthing two babies. I don't feel that. I feel like that whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. And it's almost like outside of me. And with this third book, which I can't even believe I'm saying that this just sounds nuts to me that I'm writing another one, but I feel a weightiness to this, that there is a call on, on the words that come out on this page. And so, um, I am, I'm very careful to, uh, write only what I feel impressed on me versus anything that I think. And it's, and it's this thing about leadership and it's about everyday people. So like, sometimes I think people will write a book and they kind of have their avatar in mind, who's going to read this book, right? Like, okay, this is for whatever women, this is for men. This is for people in network marketing with this book. The avatar is, are you a human? (laughs) So it's, it's anybody, anywhere, any demographic, any age, any background, because I fully believe Troy, every single person has a call on their life, something specific that they were born to do and people they were born to impact. And I want to give people the courage to take the steps to do it, regardless of status, title, demographic, background, income, where they live, what they do or don't have. And I think that's going to change the world. Well, it, it, it will. And if you look at the, if, if you were to go back, I think, and look at all those 60,000 books that are written on leadership, you're going to find the majority of them are men. There's very few leadership books or even leadership authorities that are females. And those that are usually are females in business. They, they've hit a certain stature. Some of them are in politics, but they're not just that, that blue-blooded girl that worked her way up. 
and said, look, I've learned some stuff along the way. And I think it's a time in history where girls, I'm going to use that word because I think that you can be 50 years old and still be a little girl inside because you haven't broken out of it. We're going to start a new brand this year called uh, The Tattered Princess because, oh. you know, when I, when I look at fairy tales, and of course I'm married to a romance writer, so that probably helps here, but <laughs> you've got these knights of shining armor and you've got the princess and both of them that's a myth that we have created. And, and it goes to what you're saying with leadership, because if men are walking into a relationship and not, not, not just romantic or sexual or anything like that, but this is how they perceive women. Oh, they're these little princesses on these pedestals or, or she's seeing, well, this is a knight in shining armor. By the time they do get to focusing on a relationship, business, personal, doesn't matter. That girl is so messed up inside. He's so tarnished and tattered and, and yet we've got these perceptions of, well, this is what I'm supposed to have because I see Hallmark and that's what it is on Hallmark. And, and if you're doing the same thing. You're breaking that myth of leadership apart to say, hey, this is you. You have a purpose. You are called to do something. And, and I tell you, I listened to a CEO the other day tell one of his top leaders, don't ever say you were called again. She, he got so much under conviction. He goes, say that, say that this is your purpose or this is your why, but don't say that you were called. And she just looked at him like a deer in the headlight and said, but I was. I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and I thought, man, this is so beautiful because when you know in your heart what that calling is, what that purpose is, if your book can help somebody start to understand, okay, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks I was born in. It doesn't matter if I've been abused or raped or, or whatever. I have a calling in my life and I'm going to fulfill that calling. That can change the dynamics tremendously for anybody. We just got to be able to get them to articulate that because we're all the time talking about how and we're talking about what. But man, when you start talking about purpose, when you start talking about why you're you're doing something, what you're calling is, that makes people really look in the mirror and and realize, okay, maybe I don't know how to articulate that. And if your book can help them articulate that, sky's the limit on where it can go. Awesome, I, I love that. And while you were talking, I I, I thought of this, you know. Have you ever have you ever read the book or heard of the book called The Room of Marvels? I okay, so I don't I don't remember the name of the author. Uh, I just I can't remember the name of the author. But in this book, um, it's a it's a fictional book, but yet it's not. It's kind of a vision that this man was given, and he talks about um, being uh, going being having a vision of heaven and going into the room of marvels. And in this room of marvels, he kind of opened, let's say, if you will, a filing cabinet. And in this filing cabinet was an account of every life he impacted. Things, wow. he, things he didn't even know, like holding the door for somebody, compliment, things that he did that he had no uh, conscious awareness of and how it impacted each individual life. And one of the things that I feel so like pressed on in my heart is that we as human be beings, we don't, and, and I'm guilty of this too. We, we feel undervalued we feel that our impact is is not worth anything if our call was only to impact two people yeah. if we don't have two million followers and in the podcast world you know over a thousand downloads per episode or what, whatever the number is then we feel that what we're doing doesn't matter and so people they give up troy they think uh eh, 
you know, I'm just, I'm just a stay at home mom, or I'm just a dad that is a manager at target. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we as a society have undervalued that. So they, they kind of take these things that they were born with and then they just shove them down because the enemy wants them to believe you're, you're nobody, you're not worth anything. And your, your impact is, is worth nothing. I want to break that lie and empower people. What if, what if I was only born for the purpose of impacting one person's life and my whole life, would I still be as valuable as somebody like a Tony Robbins who's impacted millions? And the answer to that is hell yes. Yep. Hell yes. And so I really hope to shift that and empower people and, and make people feel good about whatever the call is. It might be a hundred. It might be one. It, it doesn't matter. It still has the same weight. And you live like that, Troy. And, and so I think that's one of the things that I just love about you so much. Huh. Well, I appreciate that because, you know, it, it is when we, when we first start out in social media, especially. Um, and I think I think women are in this case, probably a lot like men too, because we, we do want to see the downloads. We want to see the likes, we want to see the comments. And, and when we don't feel that, it's like, well, what the heck, you know, doesn't anybody care? You I'll know, delete it. Kid, I'll delete mean, that post. Nobody liked it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> this is nuts, you know? And then once you start to realize, okay, it really doesn't matter, you know, and, and a lot of it, it goes back to myths. I mean, I do this with all the time because we're always running analytics to see, hey, what works at different times or what do we perceive as working at different times? And, yeah. and I, watch, I watch these self-proclaimed gurus sometimes, especially on Facebook, and they'll say, oh, look at what I got over here. Look at my stats. And I'm, I'm looking at their stats and thinking, yeah, but that's not a real stat. That's yeah. a stat that makes you feel good, but it's not an impactful stat because I'm not seeing a footprint grow across social media. You know, and I, and I, and I, we don't, we just don't talk about our stats ever anymore. It's, it's one of those things that, okay, people are going to take it out of context or do something, but I'm going to, I'm going to use one that's an example because it's our, our podcast. I haven't done, I haven't done the Beachside CEO podcast since 2013. And yet we still get somewhere between a thousand to 13,000 downloads a month, depending on what the topic is. And it's like, I look at that and I think, wow, we're, we're impacting Michelle, somebody somewhere. And then I go over to my Pinterest, which we do not monetize Pinterest at all. It's just my way of release, whether it's me showing tattoos, whether it's, whether it's posts, whatever it is. And yet we get 300,000 different unique views every month on Pinterest. And one of my partners, my, my kid said, dad, uh, you're leaving money on the table over there. And it's like, yeah, but it's never, it's, that's just never been part of the business model. But then we started to realize, look at the lives that we've impacted when money wasn't involved. We weren't trying to make money. We yes. just know, hey, a certain meme or a certain, something will make an impact in people's lives. And, and if we make that our purpose, if our main purpose is to change the lives, the money, I guarantee you will come because I've seen that. When I go back to that, that, breach in my own ethics in 2012. I thought, man, this will be the end. In 2013, the first week of October, when I'm leading the catalyst in Atlanta, it hits the internet. I mean, because the, the SEC, they, they make all these promises and they say, no, that will never be paid public. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it was made public. Oh. It went everywhere, you know, and it's like, again, I thought, man, this is going to be the end. 
And yet our phones started ringing because publicly traded companies started saying, hey, can we talk to you so you can tell us how to, we can keep from making these same mistakes? And it's like, you know, I, I thought of David because here's a man after God's own heart, and yet he had a husband killed um, so he could be with the woman. I mean, he did all these crazy stuff. His family was more screwed up than mine. His kids wanted to kill him. <laughs> God said, this is a man after my own heart. And I thought, Lord, man, thanks. If you can bless him, then, then you can bless me. And, and I made it public. I mean, I did not, I made it very clear, just like I did on the show. Look, I screwed up. This is it. I never want somebody to be able to say, look, we, we saw what's in Troy's closet. Crap, yeah. I don't, I've got a closet. I just don't have any doors on it. Skeletons fall out all the time. So yeah. you know, it's just what it is, but we're going to, we're going to impact the lives, Michelle, this, this podcast of yours, cause I monitor it now and I'm watching and I'm, I'm seeing that audience start to grow. I'm seeing the topics and the people that you have. And it's like, Oh, this is just perfect timing because we started a podcast before anybody even knew what podcasting was. Yep. Now it's a full, I mean, you can make three, four, five hundred million, I mean, millions of dollars a year. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's cool. But what about the lives that are impacted? And you're a voice, you're a female voice that's saying, look, here's how my life was. It wasn't perfect. I've had to earn what I've gotten, but you can too. And I think that's the, that's the dream of a real princess is when she can say, look, I wasn't a princess, still don't feel like a princess you know, <laughs> seven days a week, but I want you to be one. That's the cool thing. Thank you. And I just read a statistic the other day that says that there are over 700,000 podcasts now, 700,000 podcasts. And, you know, um, also I was, I read, I read a lot. So I read this other article that said that it, it, of the top, like 50 podcasts that are like rated, which whatever, whoever's rating system, I don't know how they're getting the numbers, but whatever the top 50 rated podcasts, they, the people that host those podcasts have a, a staff of a minimum of five producing those podcasts. And so, um, what you, what you have now virtually is, is on-demand radio. It's what, it's what really podcasting is on de- on-demand radio. People are out there trying to get sponsorships. Um, I saw that when I first started, I was, I was kind of obsessing over the number of downloads I was getting. I was look, I'd look at it every day. Like, is anybody even watching and listening to this? And so the Lord kind of told me, you know what? Don't look anymore. Don't, don't look. I very rarely look. Um, uh, I very rarely do. And I just decided, you know what? It doesn't matter if a million people listen to it or one, because the purpose is, is that the one that is supposed to hear whatever God wants them to hear that day, hears it. And so for those of you that are listening and you just feel discouraged because you're not getting the play on social media that you think you should be getting, you're not an influencer, you don't have enough people following you on Instagram, whatever it is that you are feeling inadequate at, I I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter. Those numbers are what the world um, has told us give us value. But I want to tell you what gives it value is that you did it. And maybe you'll never, ever know the person who you impacted today with your post, with your honesty, with your whatever, but it still is as valuable as something that went viral. All that stuff that we've made important, Troy, doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter. And so I'm just... I have to, I, I'm speaking to myself because I get wrapped up in it too. You know what I mean? I like, oh, and I just have to tell myself, 
doesn't matter. So my mom started a blog. I encourage her to start. She's just a, she's a, she's a nut, man. She's just crazy and interesting and funny. So I'm like, mom, please start a blog. And so she started a blog and I posted the first one. She got, you know, whatever, 70 people read it or viewed it the first day. So she did another one a couple of days later and like half did. I didn't, I didn't promote it. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know. I didn't just forgot or something. She was so discouraged. She almost took the blog down. And I said, I go, mom, why? I said, why? She goes, because people must think I'm stupid. I go, why did you do it though? Why did you write the blog? Did you write the blog as a way to have self-expression or did you write a blog because you're looking for approval? Ooh, that's good. I think that most of us do. They're, oh, well, if nobody, I only got three likes on that post. I must, you know, it must not be good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we've twisted it so bad. Well, what we have, and especially if you go back to, just using the word blog for a minute, because back when blogs first started, it really was supposed to be just for self-expression. Yeah. Hey, this is what I'm doing, I'm on a travel, I want to write about this, I want to do that. And then all of a sudden, vanity came into play. And we, we, my son and I, Jetty and I, the other night, we went out and saw Shazam. And Shazam is focused on the seven Greek gods, which is all mythology. But what really got me, I'm going to do a whole training on this, is it also he's fighting or his little crew's fighting the seven deadly sins, which vanity happens to be one of them, you know, greed and lust and envy. And I'm sitting there thinking about that. And it's like, wow, you know, it, it used to be tough for the devil out there. Now it's just easy because we got yeah. social media. You know what I mean? I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, we do this. But then I started really digging deep and thinking, man, this could be part of the problem what we see at school when we 100%. see the kids, you know, and it's, they're so tormented. And the, the last big shooting that we had down here in Florida, I got into a debate on Facebook because I, I really felt sorry for all those kids. But that as I studied the shooter's background, I said, you know, he's a victim too. The system let him down. You know, that these all these kids are are let down. And, and then I'm looking at the Facebook and it's like, I'm thinking back to things I did at school as just a boy, teenage boy, and it was nothing compared. I mean, I always treated girls with respect. We flirted, we teased, we did all that, but I never treated a girl with disrespect. And when I see some of this stuff on Facebook, when I see all this stuff that's taking place. It's like, man, there's vanity on one side. There's jealousy on the other side. Mm -hmm. There's, there's all this me, 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 me. And it's like, okay, this is the problem because just like your little mom, you know, oh my gosh, nobody's looking, nobody's reading. It's like, wait, but you still have something you've got, you're supposed to share. It goes back to what you said, your purpose, who are you going to impact? You know? And it's like that 35, that 70, maybe 10, but then all of a sudden she writes something and that one person needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember Paige's first book, gosh, that was in 19, let's see, Tessa's 20, so the 19, 1994 when she wrote her first book. And it, she was all ecstatic. They sent her her advance. She wrote her book. But the day that she knew what her purpose was, was when her first piece of fan mail came to her, and it was from a lady in prison mm. who said, your book made me realize what I need to look for in a man when I get out of prison. Oh. Like, wow. Cause Paige's books all have a message that's, that's built into them. And, and it's like, that made Paige cry. She said, okay, honey, this is worth it. Doesn't matter how many times I rip my book apart before it finally gets published. If I can impact somebody's life like that, 
then it's worth it. And that's what you're sharing right now, Michelle, with this podcast, with what your mom is doing. One person can change the world. It's enough. One person is enough. I mean, really, I, I hope that whoever's listening to this, that you realize that one is enough. One is enough. And one is big. That's you a know big what you need to do. Deal. You need to start a new show. You need to get a, a swag line that says one is enough. That I love it. Perfect right okay. there. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I love it. One isn't. Because, Troy, imagine if everybody took on that mantra. They'd be so happy with the one. Instead That's of right. being like all discouraged, you'd be so happy with the one. It's enough. We, I think you and I could talk for days. I, I appreciate you so much. Um, I'm so happy that to see whatever it is that, that God has in store for hopefully you and I to do stuff together in the future. Um, when the when the residual life comes out, please read the foreword. Troy is brilliant, funny, uh, bold, <laughs> and just uh, a leader on so many fronts. And it's been a lot more than one for you, Troy. Um, but but I'm I'm one of the ones, so I want to say thank you. And before we kind of close out the podcast, do you have any one last thing? Like if somebody's listening, we've kind of gone all over the place today. But do you feel any one thing that you'd like to just one last thing that you'd like to leave with people that are listening? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think it goes back to my my two little things: a tattered princess or a tarnished knight. You know, if you're listening to this and you you look at all the all the little selfie reels and stuff on social media and you think, Oh my gosh, all these people have it together. And that's not me. It doesn't matter what company you're in. Doesn't matter if you're a CEO or, or you're just working for somebody else. If you'll just take that next step, just realize all you got to do is put one foot in front of the other, that, that you're going to find that purpose. Start asking yourself, what problem do I solve? And just keep asking yourself that until you finally have the clarity to understand, wow, this is what I was made for. This is what my purpose is. If, if you'll do that, I guarantee it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be a week. But once you've made that, once that answer is clear to you, you're going to see a lot of doors open up that you never dreamed of. They're going to be right there in front of your face as if, as if they'd been there the whole time. And that's, that's what I want people to realize. It's like, one is enough. So find that one problem you solve and then you drive that all the way home because that's your main, that's your ticket to what you're looking for inside. You want that significance to come out. That's how you're going to get it. What's the one problem that you solve? Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Um, I know that you, your words have blessed everybody. Anything coming up that people can look for that they can go buy or download or click on for you? No, just your book. I mean, if they want to do <laughs> real me, I do. You know, I did it in a short little deal, but boy, I, boom, that's it. You know, it's I'm just very bold. I'm here to serve. I mean, I am second. That's how I look at it. So we're not. Uh, we've got some crazy stuff that is coming up, but nothing. I want them to get your book. I want them to follow you. They can follow me all day long. I mean, all they got to do is put in Troy Dooley and decide. Yeah, he's all man. over the place. Yeah, but I'm. That's it. I want. I'm just so blessed to be on here, Michelle, and I appreciate that. From the Beachside CEO himself. Thank you so much, Troy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me just about an hour of your time today. Hope you liked that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Troy Dooley, just an incredible guy. I appreciate you so much. I'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to reach out to me on social media or via either of my websites, bobbyandmichelle.com or soldoutentrepreneur.com. Until next time.